Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and I get to bring a three-peater, a three-peater back to the podcast. This guy is a machine writing so many books. I just tell you, just every six months, boom, we'll have a new one as <laughs> yeah. but. As we hit the new levels, but I've got so much good feedback from everybody who's already gone through profit first pumpkin plan, um, and then fix this next. And we've used this a lot with our clients. Um, it's been super helpful. And I think this is going to be great for right now coming off of COVID. Uh, you know, a lot of things, it's kind of decimated a lot of business. Uh, we're kind of, yeah. how we get out there to promote our practice is going to be different than it was before. And so I think this comes out at a perfect time, um, called get different. Marketing that can't make marketing that can't be ignored, and so I really want to welcome back uh, Mike Michalowicz. Come, welcome back to the podcast, uh, Doctor Don. It's it's a pleasure to be back with you. Thank you for doing this for me. That's awesome. So, like I've, uh, I was just saying before the call, I did a little mastermind um, with you, and yeah. it was like seven other people. It was pretty fun, and uh, you kind of divulged a little bit of this information at the beginning because you always like to work on this stuff in your little think tanks, and then once you yeah. kind of work out the kinks, you write a book, right? Yeah, 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 and it's a mastermind. Um, Selfishly, it serves me. I mean, it's a group. It's a. It's you know, it requires full participation. There's an investment of money and and time and into ideas. So on that call, um, I was sharing some of the concepts from Get Different and uh, and some other work I'm doing too. And ultimately, uh, it, it brought about. Well, this is the actual book, but it brought about the book, and and the concepts were refined through those masterminds in part. That's awesome. And so what kind of made you come up with that, the idea of that in the first place? Because I know you have a series of books that you want to write. Uh, I called it the reverse trilogy uh, when you had uh, right. this next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it feels like it's going to be, I don't know, a trilogy is three. So a, a, a billagery, I don't know. It's, it, I hope it to be 25 books. That's my intention. But what, how it comes about initially is when I'm out uh, speaking or now doing virtual on podcasts I'll, or, or uh, events, I'll ask people about the challenges they're facing. And I saw something about seven, eight years ago. And for me, typically a book, even though I roll them out, you know, it seems quickly, it's about eight years in the works. And then they, you see the final product. And right now I have three other books I'm currently writing and working on. Um, so starting about eight years ago, I was asking people like, you know, how do you get your leads and stuff like this? I was just curious. And I started to see this trend that's probably existed forever, but I see people saying, I get them from client referrals. I get my business from client referrals. And some people very, and rightfully so, braggadociously saying, 100% of my leads, 80% of my leads come from client referrals. And then I said, well, to myself, that means we're at the whim of our customers. A customer referring us is the greatest acknowledgement. They clearly value our service and they see it significant enough that they're going to tell their friends about it. That's a win. But it also means that day that customer's not satisfied or they go elsewhere or they move out of town you're losing all that business. And yeah. so it can be very precarious. These, these businesses that are depending on client referral are in these peaks and valleys. Uh, and so my question then was, how do we throttle leads? What can we do to ensure we get a consistent flow of opportunity? And if we want to turn things up, we can. 
we want to slow things down, we can. And that's where I started to do the research for Get Different, how to deliberately market and ensure the lead flow you want. Because I know in chiropractic, it almost becomes like a, a badge of honor because you're like, I don't have to market. Like it's almost like no. a bragging thing. And, yeah. and, and I think I, I've, I haven't had a chance to go through your whole book because like I just got it uh, on uh, PDF. But just going over your uh, titles for each chapter, your responsibility to market, um, yeah. that probably is going to address that issue, I would assume. <laughs> like what gives you the right to market if you have an amazing service and just rely on referrals? That's it. That's it. So, <laughs> so many people um, have a great service and don't treat it that way. If you're a chiropractor, uh, I have a real simple question for you. Is the services that you're providing superior to the alternatives? People doing self-adjustment. I've seen some of these mechanisms online. You can get this suction system that pulls your spine. Are you better than that? Um, are you better than some of the other providers of services? Uh, do, do you care more? Are you more responsive? Are you more thorough? Do you have more credentials? And the answer for almost everyone I've met, the answer is hell yes, I'm better in some capacity or all capacities. And if you are better, then you have a responsibility to market. You see, your customer is, has a problem. They're going to seek a way to find a solution for it. They're going to find a solution for it. But if we're not putting ourselves out there, now it's left to chance. And if they find a, an alternative and they buy from it, it's their problem if it's inferior, but it's our fault for not marketing. So I actually opened the book by saying, you know, damn it, we have to market. And when someone says, I don't have to market or I don't market, they're shirking the responsibility. The world needs to discover you. They're starving for the proper care. And if you can provide it, you have a responsibility to market accordingly. And this is where I talk to the chiropractors out there, especially after the last 18 months, um, people need it more than ever. People have been oh. stuck at home. They're not working. They're not moving. They're stressed out. Like they're in their reptilian brain. They need something to help take the tension away, get them more into that parasympathetic rest state. So yes, we, hell yeah, we have a responsibility to market. So how do we do it? <laughs> yeah. So you do it by getting different. Hence the, the title. Here's what I found is that when people market, what we generally do is we seek out the best practices of our industry. The best practices of our industry are actually very helpful in many facets. It just fails us in marketing. Like if, if my uh, industry has a way to recruit other chiropractors, that's really effective. I should find a way to replicate that. If they have a way to provide efficiency services or billing and all that stuff, that's great. But when it comes to marketing, it fails us because if I'm marketing the way everyone else is marketing, the consumer is hearing the same message over and over. It becomes white noise. They can't differentiate. They actually ignore it. I'll give you an example. The first time I got a Hey Friend email, an email started like, Hey Friend, I was really curious. I never received one of these. I'm like, who's the friend calling me friend? That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Is, you know, I was like really into this. But I started reading through and within a sentence or two, I'm like, this is not a real friend. This is a marketer. And by the end, I'm like, this isn't relevant. This is something I want. They're invading my space. The second Hey Friend that probably came through like 10 seconds later, but you know, the next day I saw it and I skimmed it. I was like, oh, it's marketing. Ever since, I may have received hundreds, perhaps thousands of Hey Friends emails. I skip them immediately. My mind has become habituated that that noise is irrelevant. And therefore, in our marketing, if someone else is marketing to our client, they decide not to consume that. That's not relevant to them. If you mark in the same way, they will deem you as not relevant even before looking at your message. So the first step, and this is key, is you must do something that's unexpected, that's different. I'm not saying you have to be outrageous. I'm not saying you have to wear a clown costume to get attention, but you have to break the white noise. If you simply present something differently, 
you'll garner their attention. Then you have to move through the further stages of engaging them. But stage one is you must stand out, do different. Well, and I, 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 this is so funny how the, you know how the universe just works, right? It's just, it's yeah. just everything lines up. I was watching Sportsnet last night and they were just showing highlights like best plays of the year and all that stuff. And you're going to love this. So they had the top three uh, Savannah banana uh, oh. events. They did. And so they had one where uh, the guy came up to bat and they had a caddy with him with golf clubs. And, and he was pretending he was like giving him its advice and gave him a golf club and then ended up giving him the bat. And then he, he batted. And then he had another time where a, a batter went up to bat and they had a, a flower girl throwing yeah. flowers out, like as he was going up to the front. And I was like, this is hilarious. Tomorrow I'm talking to Mike. You'll love that. Savannah bananas were on uh, Sportsnet. So that's great. I, I love it. You know, it's funny. I, I saw with Jesse Cole, the owner, I actually feature him in the book. And when I was talking to him, I said, what do you think is, if all the marketing you've done, the way you position yourself, how you're doing different, of all the strategies, which one has been the most effective? And he paused and he says, our name, our name. You know, marketing can be as simple as the way you name yourself. He could have named that Savannah team, Savannah Scepters, uh, the, the great Savannah Sailors, all these different names that are common and expected. He did a funny, goofy rhyme. And by calling himself the Savannah Bananas, just by hearing the name of the organization, you're like, what is this group? It invokes curiosity. Different breaks through the noise. And it's funny, there's a, there's a video of the news in Savannah, the local news announcing it. And you see the, the newscaster say, well, we got a new baseball team. And the name is the Savannah Bananas. And they cut to the sports broadcaster who isn't making this announcement. He just makes this frumpy face. He goes, mm. <laughs> in this great disappointment. And then the next shot is the Savannah Bananas revealing the mascot, they call him Split, Banana yeah. Split, <laughs> to the local school and the kids losing their mind, kids running and jumping this kid on this mascot and just losing it. They have found something to root for. The next game, which was, a, I think, a week or two after that announcement, was sold out, and they've sold out every single game since. The goal of different, even when it comes to simply your name, is not to make everyone happy. You are going to disappoint some people. But the target community, which was families, Jesse wanted to win them. And that different name was the first marketing step that compelled them. That's cool. Now, and again, you can lead me. If there's going to be any questions I should ask that I don't. But um, just curious... We already know Savannah Bananas because I think we've, we've talked about that before in the past, but maybe just give us some other examples, some kind of unique ways to oh, sure. and differentiate yourself. Yeah, this is, I'll give you a couple of favorites. So one is uh, just local gyms here. So I'm in New Jersey in a small uh, New Englandy kind of colonial town and uh, a lot of storefronts, but particularly with COVID, a lot of stores have shut down. But what's moved in is fitness studios. And interestingly, in about two blocks from here, there are three fitness studios right on top of each other. In fact, one of them actually shares an adjacent wall. They are competitors. And when you walk down the street, all of them, they have windows because they're former retail stores. All the windows have the exact same marketing message. It's here's the customer before, here's the customer after. The classic before, here's the schlubby person, here's the rip person. We can do this for you. And what I noticed is marketing starts following best practices, white noise. I noticed people just walking by and it's like, here's a thousand pictures of irrelevant people. I've seen this before. So I went to them. It was actually hard to convince someone. And I found a gym that would do this. Because I said, we're going to take down these pictures. What I want to do instead is get mirrors, two mirrors from fun houses. One that makes you look short and squat. Another one that makes you look tall and lean. 
And on the short and squat one, we're gonna put the word before, we're gonna paste it on the mirror above. The other one, we're gonna paste it on it after. And now when people walk by, they're gonna see a mirror and they're gonna see themselves as a before and after. And next to it, the science says, we just transform you in our window. Let's transform you in real life. Walk inside. And the foot trackers, traffic went up 400% people coming in. Really? And people were outside taking pictures like social media. It was different. It was engaging. And, and the idea of different is, first, it must be different to garner attention, but it also must be attractive. So that's the second kind of component I talk about. They could have had um, a person sitting there with a, with a machine gun saying, if you don't come in, uh, you're going to be you know, schlubby. You better walk in right now and point a gun at you. That's different. I'll get attention, but that's a threat. Uh, right. That makes me feel uncomfortable. People will run from that. It's repelling. That's combative. So how can you be different and attractive? And that's what this gym pulled off. So that's one, one of the examples. I got more too I can reveal to you, but that was one of my faves. That's cool. And, and so I, I'm sure you can do this both like online and offline. Um, what, what's a, maybe give an example of some stuff online. Cause I just know like typically in the past chiropractors would maybe go out to screenings like a home show or they go and do corporate talks. And a lot of those aren't happening anymore. Yeah. So, so some of the stuff has to go online. So maybe what can you do online to be able to have that same? Love it. I'll give you a radically simple one. Um, in fact, I compiled a hundred different marketing techniques that cost nothing or little. This is just one of them. And uh, let me just share what it is. Is what I notice, at least in my industry, my contemporaries, other authors are all emailing. And it's true for chiropractors too. We email out to prospects saying, you got to come in, make sure you're in alignment, good health starts with a good skeletal structure, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I noticed is everyone's saying I emails in black and white text and sometimes with pictures. So that's the common white noise. What's different? And one technique is do the opposite. So everyone's sending out stuff with readable black text. I'm like, what if you send out an email that's unreadable? I know this sounds crazy, but hear me out. I changed the text to all white. And when I sent it out in, in a small section in black text, I said, this is the first ever invisible ink email that you've received. Click and drag over this to reveal the message. And so people are dragging since it's a white font against white background. When you drag over it with your mouse, it appears. And it had my message saying, hey, I got a brand new book out here on how to market differently pick up your book at so-and-so. And why it worked was first, it's different. Uh, the open rates were up about 350% for that one. The, the email is different, uh, so it gets attention. But it was also attractive because it harkened back to the childhood for many people. You, those games where you'd have a secret encoded message and you'd exchange it with someone, maybe use a marker or something to reveal the message. So it harkened back to that. And it also had, and this is the last key component, a directive. Now you have this information, this marketing, what do you do with it? And it was, you know, click this link to check out uh, information on the book. And as chiropractors, we could do something as that simple. And I'll tell you, if no one in your industry has done an invisible ink email, well, there you have it. Try it out. It costs nothing. Uh, it costs a lot if you don't try something new. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just noticed in one of your other uh, chapter headings, which I really liked, was uh, experiment, measure, amplify, and then repeat. Because I know a lot of chiropractors are like basically uh, so-called self-claimed perfectionists and they don't want to do something unless it's totally perfect, um, which we know that's impossible, but the only way to do stuff is to try it. So like, it, have you had people that you work with before that they've kind of been nervous about getting their message out there and not ever take yeah, yeah, Oh my God. Nervous, like terrified. And I wouldn't say some, I say most are, are fear-based and there's a reason behind it. So I want to first justify why we're fear-based and then also had a frame around it. So there's a reason we're fear-based. And if you look back at uh, the tribal days of humanity. So the hunters and gatherers, if you and I were in a tribe together 
and the hunters say, hey, we're going for a woolly mammoth. And I'm like, hey, guys, let's not do that. Let's go for a saber-toothed tiger. And I start walking. I put my life at risk because now I'm not supporting the group. And you guys are like, out of here, wacko. You're not with us. You're done, which means certain deaths to me. First of all, I can't take on that beast anyway. But secondly, now I'm excluded from the tribe. We had to work communally to beat a saber-toothed tiger or a woolly mammoth. So the only way to work is to fit in. So it is wired into us. If you stand out, it equals certain death. Like that's how visceral it is. Now, fast forward to modern society. We also know if I don't get noticed, I'm not going to get noticed. If I don't get attention, I won't get business. So half of us saying I have to stand out to get business and survive. And half of us saying, if I stand out, I'll get killed. These are polar opposites. So we have to overcome it. And here's a real simple way. Realize that marketing is the ultimate act of kindness. If you offer a chiropractic service that is superior to the alternatives, if you offer something that truly cares for customer better than they're being treated, you have responsibility to market, but you also have to realize it's the act of kindness because if they don't discover you, they're being jeopardized. It's only kind for them to discover you. Now, some people say, but but that's bothersome. Bothersome is where you, uh, you try to get people to do something that is not of service to them. In marketing, we're going to present to them a opportunity and make them aware of it. If they ultimately decide not fit for me, that is their right. But it is our responsibility to at least get them to that point. And that's why it's an act of kindness. Yeah. And we don't want to withdraw the option. Like if we don't even get out there, we don't even give them the options. We're denying them the option of care. That's right. We're denying them the options. Yeah. So that's, that's crazy. Um, the disadvantage advantage. What, 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 what is that? What is that? So, yeah. So many of us try to cover up our disadvantages. Uh, you know, we, we don't have as many available hours and, and my competitor has 24 hour service or something. There, there's certain weaknesses that we perceive of ourselves, but we can flip those to be an advantage. So I'll give you an example of one of the stories from the book and you can see how I'll translate. Um, the university, UC Irvine. So UCI, I think it was Irvine, maybe it's Davis now, but one of the California universities, let's say it was Irvine, has on campus olive trees. Olive trees, if, if you haven't seen one, you can Google them. They are beautiful, almost prehistoric looking trees. They're gnarled and twisted and they're gorgeous. But when you walked down uh, the main path to the administrative buildings on campus during harvest season, meaning when, when they're fruiting and dropping olives, these olives are splatting the ground and people are slipping on them. It was, it was literally olive oil. And uh, if you try to power wash it off, it actually spread the oil, becomes more slippery. It was dangerous. There was accidents being reported. So the response to this disadvantage of slippery sidewalks is you got to cut down all the trees. Well, one of the professors there who was in agriculture says, uh, let's take this disadvantage and make it our biggest advantage. Let's start harvesting these by putting harvesting nets under during the season to capture the olives. And then we'll make olive oil at the university. Well, that's what they started doing. The olive oil now has become world famous. People from the globe are buying, I think it was UCI. I can't believe I can't remember the university, but UCI olive oil. And it's been so profitable that it pays for itself plus a department to study the production of olive oil. (laughs) Whatever your disadvantage is, don't try to overcome it by removing it. Try to leverage it to become one of your biggest advantages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people will take that and then just say, forget it. Like it's, it's, it's useless or we're done. And it's just to think, 
Uh, do you do you have some exercises that maybe someone could work on on how to how to kind of maybe do a creative uh, mind dump or something about? Like, yeah, yeah. So the book is rich in that because you know some people feel as as they're going through this process. Well, I'm not a creative type. I can't do this. And uh, what I concluded is creative people don't have an innate skill as much as a learned skill that they're applying subconsciously. So it looks innate. One of the strategies is called a blend technique that I notice people doing. What these folks are doing is they're taking ideas they're seeing elsewhere and bringing it to their company. They're, they're blending it in. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a bank um, that sold for a billion dollars. This was the B here in New Jersey. It was founded, but it was back 25 years ago. It's called Commerce Bank. 25 years ago, banks were closing at four o'clock in the afternoon on weekdays and they're open for half a day on Sunday or on Saturday. And that's how they came up with the concept called banker hours. You couldn't yeah. get to a bank, right? Banker hours. Well, this banker looks at it and says, huh, people don't like banker hours. That's a disadvantage for the entire industry. Let me look at other industries. And he noticed that McDonald's had, you know, 24 hour service, drive through windows, um, a, a happy meal. His name was Vernon Hill, the founder of Commerce Bank. He took an idea, happy meals, from banks and uh, from from fast food restaurants and put it in his bank. What he noticed is instead of a child pulling up with their parent at the McDonald's, it was the parent pulling up with the family dog. So the Happy Meal was a dog bone. They would give these little biscuits and treats for the dog. What they caused was a Pavlonian response. When the minivan was driving by Commerce Bank, the dog would start salivating and barking. The dog wanted to go to the bank. They were training dogs. It was a genius idea. And it was called a blend. Take an idea from another industry that's working successfully, be the first to introduce that marketing concept or that approach in your industry, and you're going to win. That's awesome. Um, what, tell me a little bit about this, getting close to the end here. Uh, grow, but don't grow up. I'm assuming that means have fun. Or, have or, fun, be yeah. you. But I'm not saying be outrageous or, or be a weirdo or whatever. I'm actually saying be more of you. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed is in our very early days in our life that we typically express ourselves in the most authentic way, but then societal pressure kicks in, peer groups, teachers, and so forth. And soon we're like, oh, we have to comply. That's a tribal mentality. But if there's some people that embrace their childhood expression and use that in their business. If you are, I'm, I like to be silly, not all the time, but I do like to be silly. Um, I've amplified that through the way I write, through my websites, all my marketing presence. I amplify silly, but that's authentically me. So when people experience that, some people are like, oh my God, finally I found a silly author that I can resonate with. Other people are repelled by it. Like this guy's an idiot. But the people that, that resonate with me, um, every experience they have with me is congruent with that and it wins a fandom. So whatever the natural you is, particularly as a child, retain that. If you were the most serious, studious, do more of that. If, if you were the, the most you know, intellectual, be more of that. If you were the class clown, be more of that. If you amplify your natural self, it's going to be your most powerful marketing mechanism because you inherently know how to do. That's awesome. Now, um, this this uh, podcast is going to come out here probably the first week in October. Um, yeah. uh, so just maybe tell a little bit people about where they can find it um, and when, when it'll be available. I think it's available. It'll be available in September. Yeah. So, so when you hear this, the book is out and available. It, it's launching on September 21st. It becomes publicly available. It's at all major bookstores. But here's the starting spot, I believe. 
It's go to gogetdifferent.com. So the book title is Get Different because we need to get different. The website is gogetdifferent.com. And when you go there, uh, there'll be all details on the book, where to buy it, different links. But I think the important thing is there is a resource uh, pool there that you can get access to a hundred different marketing strategies that we developed that cost nothing or cost very little that you can start deploying these techniques. You actually don't even need to read the book. Just download that free resource, try out some ideas because to be an effective marketer, you got to start building the muscle. And so these are kind of low hanging fruit things that you will see results if you do them at gogetdifferent.com. That's great. Now, now what, what kind of parting words of wisdom would you love to leave our listeners with that seem all kind of, you know, everyone seems to be in a fear state. Um, you know, with what's been going on in the world lately and uh, what kind yeah. of words of inspiration would you like to leave everybody with today? Real simple. The world is starving to discover you. Market accordingly. Yes, I agree. We, they need us to go and find. They, they need, need to find you. Us. They need you so badly. They need us. So Mike, thanks again for uh, taking the time out to join us again with the three-peat. Yeah, three <laughs> as always, it's a pleasure, Dr. Don. I appreciate you. Yeah. And so for everyone out there, uh, make sure you go and get this book, uh, just like you've got all those other books. And, uh, and remember, <laughs> post us, just give us some feedback on some of the stuff that you've implemented so we can get to see some of your success stories on this. And until next time, shift on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out. Dr. Don out.